0: You're listening to Outside by Design, a podcast about the business of creativity in the outdoor industry. This podcast is brought to you by Wheelie, a creative agency for people who thrive outside. We help connect people with themselves, each other, and the natural world through communication and creative work that makes people feel feelings and take action. Basically, we're all about making marketing that matters. This is our podcast about leveling up yourself, your brand, and your community your powerful creative work iris it's another episode of outside by design i guess it is
1: and what's going on this week at wheelie this week at wheelie um we just did our biannual wait biannual does that mean twice a year or once every two years i don't know trail day we do it twice a year and we had ours on Monday, and now I'm really, really sore.
0: Yeah, we did. We maintained three miles of the Whitefish Trail, and uh, we
1: do that cliff section
0: underneath underneath Skiles because our crew has the agility to hike tools in, into
1: there. Yep, we hiked in. We raked and raked and raked and raked and raked. And then I was real dumb, and I went on a bike ride afterwards, so now I can pretty much only get up off my couch a few times a day. <laughs> that's
0: that's my trick to making you couch bound so that you work a
1: lot. <laughs> Luckily, it's like pouring rain the last 2 days now and thunderstorming, so it's fine that I'm immobile. Good. I have nothing else to do anyway. <laughs> so I got it all out on Monday and now I can be sedentary. And in the
0: opposite of mountain town living, we have a really cool guest on the podcast. Yeah. I've never met this guest in person, but I think we would be friends. I think you would be friends. I think you are friends now. I, th- I think we are friends now. But she's awesome. Her name is Jess Mewke. Um, If you're about to listen to this podcast, jump on Instagram and check out her work. Mm. On Instagram, it's at salt.atlas as well as her handle, which is at Jessica, M-I-Y-U-K-I. So you can see who we're talking to and see how cool her life is.
1: Yeah, sitting here in like 30, what is it, 40 degree weather, I'm pretty jealous.
0: Yeah, Jess works in the surf industry, and she started a company called Salt Atlas, um, which is custom gifts for people who love the sea. And so it's a lot of Tide posters and destination jewelry and adventure bags. And she used to be a textile designer at Billabong before she started her own company. So she has a lot of cool experience that's different than our Mountain Town vibes. Um, and also, I'm just so obsessed with surfing lately that I, I just really was excited to talk to Jess.
1: Yeah, she talks about how surfing relates to entrepreneurship She talks about having to pivot her business after starting a travel brand and then immediately going into the coronavirus pandemic.
0: She paints really cool surfboards.
1: Yeah, she has incredible art. I'm following her now, and I love having her pop up on my feed, and I know our listeners will too. That's right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it.
0: Um, well, Jess, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to be here.
0: And we've never had a textile designer on the podcast, so I'm really excited to talk to you about that. Uh, but yeah. the first, the first thing we ask everyone is where you are in the world and what you're looking at. Right now,
2: I am in Orange County, California, and I am looking at my computer screen and my dog, and I'm hoping... She stays sleeping so she doesn't bark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. And so you are a textile designer. You started your own brand, Salt Atlas. You're wildly creative. Um, what's a typical day look like for you these days?
2: Um, lately, it's just been waking up, taking my dog out for a walk, um, and then going through emails um, and checking my orders since so I just recently rebranded my company to sell personalized artwork so there's a lot of back and forth um, for our customer service for that so I usually take care of that in mornings and then go through all my analytics so it's like Google Analytics it's Hotjar it's um, Shopify so I go through all that make sure everything's in order and then try to go through the day try to look for a way to um, look for ways to make things run a little bit smoother. So I'll do like a Shopify course on how to optimize my website or something productive if I don't have a big freelance project that I'm currently working on.
0: Cool. And what, what's your story? Um I read on your website that you grew up in Japan and spent a lot of time traveling around the States in childhood. So how did you end up in Orange County and what, what's your... I guess what, it's a big question, but what's what's your story? It's a long one. I've done a
2: lot of things. I'm <laughs> <Don't laughs> trying to keep it short. But yeah, I was born and raised in Japan. Um, I grew up there. That was my first language. It was my first everything. Um, and I went to a Japanese school there, too. So I had a really interesting experience because I was half white. And it wasn't really common when I was growing up there. It is now, but it just wasn't when I was growing up. And then... We moved to the United States when I was around yeah, seven. I think my brother's around 10. And then it was in Arizona. I think we moved in close to my dad's parents' place. spent a while there, and then my dad got a job in Minnesota, so we moved there. So that was a really big change, going from the desert to the snow. Um, and then spent about a year, year and a half there, and then my dad got a job in California. And we've been in Orange County since then, really. Um, and I yeah, just started traveling. Um, I had one modeling job in uh, Pikes Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in Colorado, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I remember flying to that crazy airport at the Denver. Uh, (laughs) um looks like Cirque du Soleil um yeah so that was like my first experience traveling alone really uh for that modeling job and after that I was kind of hooked um and I tried to look for opportunities where I could travel and then I did little trips here and there to Hawaii with family or whatnot um but yeah I did a trip to Bali with my then boyfriend um fears after that modeling trip and I really felt more confident of being able to travel on my own. And then after that, I started traveling quite a bit, I would just look for deals online, try to stack up my miles and points and whatnot. And um, yeah, I started traveling a lot. And it's been fun. I really like um, I really like the mindset you get after you come back from a trip. Oh, what do you mean? I just feel more open to things. You know, you. You get so used to your environment when you're in a place where you don't know anybody, you don't know anything, you don't know the language, you don't know the food, it just forces you to be so open to things that, and you kind of have to have an optimistic mindset, it just forces you to do that, and sometimes, at least for me, I can get jaded from time to time because things are really good, and then I start looking for problems to fix, and when I travel, everything just seems so positive, and when I come back, I come back with that open-mindedness and like accepting other cultures and differences of opinions it just kind of opens you up to those things
0: cool how does how does your artwork tie into the travel and your design style because your your artwork is gorgeous and I believe you worked in-house at Billabong for a while um but yeah how does that how does that story infuse all your travel
2: yeah so when I travel I kind of notice well, I'm a very visual person so I notice that each country kind of has a different color scheme I don't know if you've really noticed it but yeah I've just anywhere you travel even if it's a different state or a different county it just has a different type of color scheme and like the plants are different the sky color seems different um and I like to bring that back into my artwork so I have a really like Hawaiian-y tropical feel because those are the places that I travel to the most and it's where I get most of my inspiration because the colors are good, just everything's bright, the flowers are beautiful, and just, yeah, just um, really inspirational.
0: And how'd you actually break into uh, textile design?
2: That's another long story, because I just feel like (laughs) a cat with nine lives. Um, So (laughs) I originally went to college as a graphic design major and switched out last minute to kinesiology, and I graduated with the yeah, I was gonna go into physical therapy. Wow. Um, yeah, and then that it it turned into like a grad school program for physical therapy, and I just, yeah, it just didn't really work out. Um so then I went into engineering for a bit. I wanted to become a civil engineer and I was taking a job as a drafter for a bit, and it was just so dry. <laughs> it was not meant for something uncreative. And I took a few graphic design courses online. Um I've always liked art and I've always liked doodling. But yeah, I found this internship online at Billabong and I just applied. I was like, I surf, I know beach culture. I've taken a few graphic design courses. I'd love to intern, see what it's all about. Um, yeah, I ended up getting an internship. Uh, ended up quitting my paying job for an unpaid internship. And I went 40 hours a week because I figured if I was the intern that was there the most, they'd start giving me real work instead of like, oh, can you like file this and help out pack this? like. I figured if I was there that often, they'd give me real work and it, it, it worked. Like they gave me real textile design work and, um, yeah, my, I think I interned there for about three months and two of my designs ended up being in the full catalog. So I was like, this is amazing. Um, yeah. So that was about three months. I didn't end up getting a job there at the end of my internship. Um, the timing didn't really work out, but I interned at Pac Sun. They had a 10 week program for interns there. So I did that. uh, It was a really good program. And after that, I had to learn how to freelance for maybe eight months. So man, it was like throwing spaghetti at the wall. I did not know what I was doing, but I figured like, you know, I have two really good companies under my belt for my resume. I can, I can wing it (laughs) for a while. Um, And then after a while, I reapplied at Billabong. They had an opening and then I worked there for almost three years, and then after I left Billabong, I started traveling a lot and launched my company. So, in the shortest way of saying all that, that's how it happened.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, cool. So, why, why surfing? Like, what, um, what, do, what draws you to surfing? What draws you to the ocean?
2: Surfing is a Meditate, it's just healing. I don't know, it just sounds so cheesy whenever I try to explain it. <laughs> but I've just been addicted to it since I started. Um, yeah, I started in like a surf camp, I wasn't very good, I was actually awful. <laughs> um, and then I had back surgery, so I couldn't surf for a long time. And then I got back into it because a guy I was dating surfed and I told him I was good, <laughs> which is stupid. <laughs> so uh, I just went all the time <laughs> so I could get better um but after that after working broke it off I just kept it like surfing just became my thing like I loved it so much it was just t- t- takes your mind off of things It's really good exercise you're in the sun you're in the water you're getting tan like it's just and it makes you really um it forces you to be patient kind of like how traveling forces you to be open because you're not going to get the best wave every time like there's going to be crowds you're going to get burned like it's you just have to roll with the punches and it just keeps you humble, I think, especially on big days, man. I get humbled on big days.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I love this intersection. You're into action sports, which are pretty hard charging, um, but your designs are pretty mellow and organic. So like, how do you uh, merge those worlds and, and bring that into your artwork?
2: That's a good question. I mean, if I was super into zodiac, I'd say it's because I'm a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know enough about zodiac. I mean, I feel like maybe I have dual personalities. I guess in terms of um, yeah, the action sports and the mellowness. But mm. I think I let out my intense energy through sports and being outdoors. And that's why I walk my dogs so many times a day and I'm running around and all these exercise and skateboarding around if if I can't surf and whatnot. So that gets my, like, intense energy out. And then my, I guess, thinking energy goes into artwork. So I'm not the best at public speaker. (laughs) I kind of talk in circles, but in artwork, for some reason I'm able to communicate a lot better.
0: Totally. That makes so much sense to me and probably most of our audience. Just having that that creative brain and um, communicating in ways other than words. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. So let's talk textile design for a minute mm-hmm. and then dive deep into Salt Atlas. Mm-hmm. But big picture, how do you because because you know you're designing swimsuits or um, luggage, things that people carry or they wear. How do mm-hmm. you? how do you, when you sit down to design, what's that process like? And like, how do you figure out what people will like to wear on their body? Is it really trend-based or intuition-based? Like, what's it look like for you?
2: I think maybe um, looking back at all the random things that I've done, maybe kinesiology and engineering really did help me become fast at creating textiles, um, because I don't have to think as much about different lands, because with kinesiology I see body movement so I kind of can tell where the body's going to move and not to put certain elements in certain places because it looks like I don't know if you put two round things on your chest (laughs) it's gonna look super weird you know what Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. or like the engineering part it helps me figure out the layout in a repeat because that's a really technical part of textile design is figuring out the repeat making sure that it flows so that when you're looking at like a really long dress um and the patterns repeating it doesn't look almost jaggedy or pixelated or you can kind of tell where it's repeating so I think mm. the engineering part that I experienced kind of helped me on that but yeah when I sit down to think about it um I like to do mock-ups first so like maybe I'll look at different trends I see on Pinterest um I really like Pinterest because it's so visual and once you click on a picture it shows you pictures that are similar so it like really helps me brainstorm that way So if I like a long flowing dress with like really big elements near the hips and like smaller elements near the feet or something like that, then I'll kind of go off of that and be like, okay, I want like a trickle down type of textile design. And I'll kind of build off of that. And then once I have my main like dramatic element, I'll start building the repeat and then I'll fill in the gaps in the repeat, if that makes sense. (laughs) So like I kind of go from... Big picture to small circle to all the details, and then I finish the repeat and check in and whatnot.
0: So, w- what are challenges that people don't realize that come with printing on fabric?
2: Ooh, uh, it's just, it just depends on what factory you use. I mean, when I was, worked at Billabong and Paxton, um, some factories are so good at printing really fine lines, really delicate details, and other factories, it just, everything bled out and it looked awful. So, from that, I had to learn how to adjust my artwork for each factory,
0: mm-hmm. which I
2: don't, I don't think it's really, maybe you learn it in design school, but it seems something you just kind of have to pick up on the job because every factory is so different. So you could work at Billabong and work at, you know, some other company and they'll use totally different factories that have totally different settings. So that's something I had to kind of learn through experience, seeing samples. Um, yeah, because yeah the printing quality is really inconsistent depending on the factories especially with color
0: yeah so do is that is it kind of just like you shoot them your first design get a sample back and just kind of guess and check from there
2: yeah it's a lot of adjustment unfortunately um I think if there are like local companies uh, or local factories they could go in and check it'd be a lot faster but most of these factories are overseas and it's Unless you're constantly doing QC, it's really hard to see where um, the errors are coming from, and it could be that they have one person mixing paint by hand, which actually is a lot of the case, or they have a machine. It's just you just really don't know. But I have a Pantone fan, and I just give them Pantone, hope for the best, and then adjust from there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, how do you, and then apparel has of short shelf life because it's, you know, so directly linked to the fashion industry, even in action sports. So mm-hmm. how do you stay on trend or like approach longevity of design?
2: Um, I had a creative director, art director at Billabon that kind of dictated what type of design. So I didn't have as much creative freedom there as I do now in with Salt Atlas. So for, like, a corporate setting, um, they do think a year ahead because it takes so much time for production and marketing or whatever. So they go off of those um, style guides. They have, um, I forgot the websites, but they have a lot of major style guides from fashion shows and textile shows. Um, I think it's, like, subscription-based or something. But the directors will look at that. They'll do their shopping trips. Um, They'll gather inspiration. And then create seasonal directions and then we'll go off of that and bounce ideas back and forth but for saw atlas um i try to think of designs that i think wouldn't really age mm-hmm. so like the the banana leaf print that i have i've seen it in the Beverly Hills hotel forever and it's just it's just always been popular and it doesn't really look old or young or modern or classic it just kind of is its own thing So that print is doing really well um, for the bags. And then I introduced it into the posters that I started creating. And it's selling really well there, too.
1: Hey, Lisa. Hey, Iris. You know that I don't like to cook. I know. We make fun of you all the time. I mostly eat SpaghettiOs out of the can. It's a weird SpaghettiO culture that you've created at work. But... I'm learning to cook thanks to a new food delivery service I discovered, which sends all the food I need to make a week's worth of meals, it's all in one place, and they deliver it right to my door. It's so easy and convenient and very environmentally friendly.
0: Gosh, Iris, speaking about one-stop shopping that's easy, convenient, environmentally friendly, and makes you better, I know of a creative agency that is kind of like one-stop shopping for your brand. Oh wow, what's it called? It's called Wheelie. It's a creative agency for people who thrive outside. You can go to wheeliecreative.com to learn more about how to elevate your brand, your community, and yourself through powerful creative work and marketing that matters.
1: Wow, I'm not hungry anymore. I'm just hungrier for creativity.
0: Then grab a fork and check it out, wheeliecreative.com.
1: Well, first of all, Lisa, 12-year-old me is very, very jealous of Jessica's internships at Billabong and PacSun. Seriously? Can't imagine something I would have wanted to do more as a 12-year-old living in Montana. That was, like, the dream. I I could see that. (laughs) So we haven't had a textile designer on the podcast before, and I find her, Jess's, well, I'm not a designer, but I find her design process really interesting. Starting with the big elements, and then working down into the nitty-gritty details. Is that really common in all types of design?
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean, we you got to start big with your concept and your goal, and then work down and down and down and down until it's perfect. Um, so yeah, it's similar. However, you know, if the use is digital, then you don't have to worry about how it's going to reproduce or repeat itself. So I, I love learning these nuances of textile design.
1: Yeah. And I love how she talked about her um, previous li- lives as a kinesiology major and an engineer um, and how she uses those every day in her textile design. And I've always said that I chose marketing as a major because I wanted to major in everything. And so like design and art and business and marketing encompasses so much and so much you have to have so much diverse knowledge um that I love that she's like not only do I do design I I work with the body so I'm taking in kinesiology and um I have to do this intricate design so it's an engineering side and this is what a few of our guests have talked about like molding the left brain and right brain together because it's kind of bullshit we don't have they're, they're always coming together and working with each other to create things
0: absolutely it's really beautiful.
1: Should we get back to Jess?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about Salt Atlas. So, what uh, what has that journey been like um, from working in a big, multi-million-dollar corporate company to starting your own brand?
2: It was a big shift, and I think, like many entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, we definitely underestimate how much work. But it's it's kind of like surfing; it's addicting because you're learning so much every single day. Um, and there's so many days where it's so frustrating, but when you get that little bit of success, it's so addicting. Like you just want to keep going. So um, yeah, I've created a lot of things. I started freelancing towards the end of my time at Bellabong, um, and I enjoyed how much creative freedom that I had when I was freelancing um and I really missed it and I wanted the opportunity to try different parts of a business and not just be pigeonhole to textile because um textile designing was so new to me and I loved it so much I was kind of curious like if I didn't know about textile two years ago and I love it this much like what else is what else is out there you know like maybe I'd like something else more so I figured, you know, very <laughs> boldly, that if I started my own company and had to do every single step of everything, then I would figure out what I really love doing. Um, so yeah, I launched Salt Atlas um, a few months after I quit. Yeah, I was still working on some final details after I left Billabong, and I was still traveling. Then I launched as a travel bag company, um, and it did okay. I did a few markets it wasn't wildly successful or anything, but it was doing fine. <laughs> and then coronavirus happened, <laughs> And mm-hmm. then, you know, having a traveling brand that um, encourages seeing new countries and, you know, <laughs> learning about new clothes. It just seemed irresponsible to promote that. <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> not the time or place. Um, and I just had to figure out, like, I need to pivot, you know. Um, I read a lot of these, like, entrepreneur blogs and Shopify blogs and they're like, you need to learn how to pivot your business, this and that. And I was like, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity to do it. Um the bag of business wasn't going in the direction that I thought I was going to. Um and I love creating artwork and this might be the perfect opportunity to just kind of pivot that direction and make Saw Atlas fully remote instead of having inventory to take care of and whatnot. So yeah, I started making these I like test launched um, these personalized posters that i made on instagram and it did pretty well so i finally launched it on salt atlas um so it's kind of like those star charts that you see on etsy where uh, you enter a date, like if it's your anniversary or birthday or whatever and they generate a star map for you and it's like this really cool personalized piece of art and i saw all over etsy and it's doing well but i love traveling and i love surfing and i try to think of a way to combine that and i was like well, everywhere around the world has tides. I mean, with water. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> has tides. Um, and that's something that all servers and sea people, I guess, can kind of connect to. We all check the tides. Whether we're going for a cruise or, you know, going for a surf. we will have no, want to know what the tides and the, the conditions are like. And I was like, that'd be a cool way to commemorate a special day, whether it's like a wedding or birthday or anniversary or something like that. Like, what were the tides for that day? Like, will that bring back? Some cool memories, you know. And the requests that I get for the titles of these maps are really cool. They're like our first adventure,
0: uh, first time in Bali, or our anniversary is pretty typical. Cute. And they're cool, they're really cool. They're very well designed, obviously. Um well, thank you. Yeah. And your the Instagram account for Salt Atlas is intoxicating. It is so beautiful.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of um, editing on Lightroom to make every all the color palettes <laughs> look the same <laughs> because I don't have the budget to hire amazing photographers and fly them to some remote location to take these beautiful ocean pictures. So I take, you know, stock images and edit them so they have the same feel for Salt Atlas. So that takes a lot of work, but I think it's worth it. I mean, if you think it looks cohesive and nice, I feel like I've done a good job. <laughs>
0: It looks amazing. Thank you. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And um yeah, I love I love the the color palette in every single photo. So it looks like yeah, very, very put together.
2: Thank you. Yeah. It's a lot of behind the scenes work.
0: <laughs> I think yeah. that's the part that I
2: underestimated when I started a business. Is you really you really don't know the under or the behind the scenes work. So until you do it you're like, wow and I respect business owners and so long entrepreneurs and small business I respect them so much now <laughs> man I try to buy from them as much as I can because it, it takes so much work
0: it seriously does it's always interesting we work with we work with tons of different brands across the country and it's always fascinating to really sit down and explain what goes into a full content calendar and like how much intense work it is
2: yeah yeah it really is intense and like before it was even in the fashion industry I would look at, you know, because I used to shop at or shop Billabong and Roxy stuff all the time as a kid. And I'd just be like, oh, that's an awesome Hawaiian print. And like, didn't think twice of it. I didn't think that somebody was out there drawing it and like perfecting it and getting samples. Like, you just don't think about those things.
0: Yeah. What else is like a interesting discovery in entrepreneurship that you didn't expect?
1: Um,
2: I mean, it's, I guess the people that I talk to kind of agree that it's just your business is really reflective of yourself, kind of like your mental state. Like when I feel cluttered or all over the place, like it kind of reflects in my business. Um and when I feel like I've had like my room's clean and like I've had my things in order and like everything's checked off, like it reflects in my business as well. And it's really hard, like that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes because like you want to think that you're putting in all this effort but you're like was it really busy work that I was doing you know so it makes you really self-aware like to a point where I went crazy at a certain point like just questioning everything I was doing and then you kind of bounce back from it. you're like okay that was too much and then you relax too much so there's a lot of ebb and flow in business kind of like waves I guess
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah a lot of ebb and flow and surfing yeah what what are some things that like you care about that you've been able to infuse into your brand
2: um I try to infuse as much like eco-friendly like just being conscious of what you do for the planet um and not everything I have is 100% eco-friendly so I feel a bit hypocritical saying things like that but if I can inspire somebody to just like pick up trash at the beach or like just give a second thought um when using like and we'll use plastics or whatnot. Just if it gives them that little urge to be like, you know what, I'm gonna bring my own bag this time, or you know what, I'm not gonna consume so much. I'm just gonna send artwork or something like that. Like if it's just a little bit, then I feel like I've done my job because I do little things like I it would drive my surfing friends crazy. So every time we would surf, I'd have to pick up three pieces of trash before I get in the water, and sometimes it would take me a long time. So they're all out in the water, I'm still like running around the beach looking for trash. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just little things like that like if that kind of story like inspires someone to pick up trash and get like I did it <laughs> I feel good
0: yeah that's cool how how did you come up with that rule for yourself uh it used
2: to be just like oh this is like a nice thing to do and then it became like a superstition so I can't not do it at this point oh. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was like, this is a good thing, you know, as long as, like, even if I don't get good waves, at least the ocean's cleaner, like, that kind of thing. And now it's become like, man, I might actually not get good waves if I don't do this. <laughs> but yeah, even if I do have, like, a super crappy session, I feel better though. I'm like, you know what? Three pieces cleaner. Every time I go to the beach, the beach is three pieces cleaner. Good.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's, yeah, everything makes a difference in the scheme of things.
2: Yeah, I like to think so. I mean, three pieces doesn't sound like a lot, but if a few people did it everywhere all the time, we would be surprised what a big difference it'd make. Yeah. I think it's why Laguna is so clean. People really care about it. Uh, certain parts of Laguna are so clean. I've never seen trash there. You just see people, just random people picking up trash. And like,
0: This is awesome. That's a really positive thing to hear. Yeah.
2: I'm sure there's a lot of other beaches there that do the same thing, but I just know personally of certain areas in Laguna that are absolutely flawless.
0: Yeah. I was on a surf trip in Mexico before COVID happened, and i that was the first time in my life I had really noticed how, like, people just throw trash in these huge piles, like, in the jungle.
2: Yeah. Isn't that weird?
0: And you just never th- – I I mean, I'm so glad I saw that, but I, yeah, it's, it was such a shock at first. I was like, whoa.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't really comment on how different countries deal with their trash. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of political reasons they do things. Um, sure. But yeah, it's really like coming from, you know, being familiar with California, it's really disheartening to see piles of trash in like really beautiful places.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But... Cool. Um, is there anything else you want to tell our audience that we haven't touched on? I'm do to think? Well,
2: if you guys have, um, yeah, like anniversaries or birthdays coming up, feel free to check out my site. <laughs> Give me any feedback. I'm always trying to improve. <laughs> I think feedback's really important. Um, even if you don't purchase something, like if you see like, Hey, that's really cool. Or, Oh, this looks kind of weird or anything like that. I'm really open to it. I mean, it's, A lot of business is about learning. I mean, you want to profit, you want to support for yourself, but you also have to realize that it's, like, this sounds so cheesy and fortune cookie, but it's so much of the journey. Like, (laughs) you learn so much along the way. It'd be a waste not to, like, pick as much as you can up along the way.
0: Yeah. Um, Where can people find you online?
2: Online, it's www.saltatlas.co. Uh, and then Instagram is salt.atlas. and then Salt Atlas is actually a palindrome. So if you spelled it backwards, it's still Salt Atlas. Kind of like the traveling—you can go somewhere and come back type of deal. That's what I was going for.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that! I didn't notice that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's a very cool little detail.
2: Yeah, I need to I would probably make a little story on that on social yeah. or my website yeah because I guess it's kind of easy to miss huh
0: yeah yeah cool well I love your work and I am so happy you were on the podcast we will put links to everything in the show notes and um yeah thank you so much for your time
1: today yeah thank you yeah this is fun thank you so much Jess for being on the show today I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know you if they don't already
0: I'm excited to go surfing with you someday because that's my new path.
1: Yeah, sitting here in a rainstorm, that sounds really nice. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, so follow Jess.
0: Again, check out Salt Atlas on Instagram. That's salt.atlas. And uh, check it out. It's
1: really beautiful stuff. Yeah, you can find us at wheeliecreative.com or at wheeliecreative on instagram and we'd really appreciate it if you can leave us a review on itunes or wherever you listen because that really helps us get shown to more people and if you want you can send it to a friend that you think might like this episode or any of our other episodes we would really love that it would make us very happy Mm -hmm. and with that we're out of here until next week
0: yeah, next week we have the CEO and founder of Rumple Blankets on the podcast, so
1: that's a good one. Yeah, you're going to want to be there, so make sure you subscribe, and we'll see you then.